we go. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse number three. And it says it like this. It says, we give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed, but in all things we uh, commend ourselves as ministers of God in much. Okay, this is how they commend themselves as ministers of God. Not in how well they speak or how big the congregation is. It says, in much patience, in tribulations, in needs, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fasting, by purity, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report. As deceivers yet true, as unknown and yet well known. Say that last part with me. As unknown and yet well known. One more time. As unknown yet well known. It says, as dying and behold we live as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing all things he made quite a uh, um, contrast you know in in uh, uh, those that are ministers of God those that serve the living God and how many ministers do we have out there in the congregation today if you're a minister raise your hand what are the rest of you Come on, my life is a ministry. Well, the minister in, in the 21st century church is the guy that stands up front or the woman that stands up front. But the reality of it is, if you're part of the body of Christ, you have already been called to the ministry. You know, uh, I realize we have all kinds of way of connecting with one another, but the reality of it is, if there is a need in front of you, 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 you there's times that you can't say, wait a minute, let me go call Ned. Or oh, let me see what pastors, you know, you, there, there are times, and I'm going to tell you, let me just lay this out. You have the authority to stop and pray for somebody. Did you need me to say that? Come on, are you ministers of the body of Christ or not? And so these things that Paul was talking about is a part of all of us. And uh, that we've been sold a bill of goods Oftentimes by speaking Christianese or by, by believing a religious thought that if somehow you give your life to Jesus Christ that everything just is smooth sailing. How many found that to be true? Jeannie and I were, uh, went to her, her nephew, my nephew's uh, wedding in uh, um, October, whenever it was, beginning of October. And uh, I've flown a lot. I, I don't, it's, it's not that I don't like to fly. I don't mind flying. I hate the process, you know, getting through the airport. And how many have flown very much? A little bit. All right. Uh, how many have ever been in really bad turbulence? Okay. How many were scared? Okay. When you, you know, when you are not in control, there's some fear involved. Well, I, we, we've flown you know, a few times, and um, been in a few spots. And again, when you're new at flying, 
I remember I'd never flown before. I was 18 years old. I was going to uh, join the Navy, and I was headed to Orlando, Florida. And um, so I left Albany Airport. First time I'd ever been in a plane. And uh, every engine changed. I'm like, oh, you know, oh, you know, everything. Every time the plane turned, I'm like, oh, my God, we're going down. It was just because I was ignorant of the process. The, uh, of 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 how the planes operate. Well, we were coming home from uh, Georgia in <clears throat> flying into Albany, and uh, what, beautiful flight, blue skies. The pilot comes over the air the intercom. He said, "Hey, uh, man, have great great weather." Yada yada yada. He said, "We're going to be landing in twenty minutes, and it's going to get rough." He said something about the ceiling. He said, "Once we." Get through, he said, you see those clouds down there? Yeah, we see those clouds. He says, once I get below them, it's going to be rough. And uh, I'm like, no big deal. You know, we've been through some, uh, rough, you know, rough times and turbulence. And, and I'm telling you, when we got under those clouds, I was like, I don't want to tell you I was scared, but I was scared. <laughs> And, and uh, I, man, that, that plane pitched and rolled, and, and, and it was one of those landings, if you've ever been on one, where the runway goes like this, and he's coming in like this. And he hits one wheel, and the plane, bang, crash, and, and, and it didn't crash, thankfully. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you what. I bet that pilot didn't have one ounce of fear in him. Because he had done that so many times. If there was any chance of crashing, I promise you they would have gone to another airport. And, and the reality is our lives, and, and, and the whole point of, uh, of, of uh, being unknown yet well-known is what the Scripture says. All right, I'm going to tie it all together, I hope, in the end. Uh, but... There is a certain level of fear that wants to manipulate us continually. And, and I've, I'm going back to the, you know, the flight analogy. Uh, there's been times where turbulence, and I got to learn that if I watch the stewardess, the time to freak out is if they're freaking out. Somebody who's been there before, felt the same thing, has the experience and, and, and so uh, I, I realize there's times that, that this life can absolutely feel like you may be crashing. But I'm going to tell you something. If Jesus is Lord of your life, then you have a pilot that has never crashed. He's never failed one time. But yet, continually, you think about all the fears that you have brought into this service today. And I, and I know they're out there because we live in them continually. There's some of you that live in constant financial fear. What's going to happen? Am I going to be able to make my bills? Now, I'm not talking about those of you that are foolish financially, that overextended yourself, and, and there is a correction that has to take place. Okay, God has a way you think it's destruction and reality. God's just trying to set things in order in your life so you can be blessed. Bring, bring some things into control. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those of you that wonder what the future is going to bring. Is my job going to be okay? 
Is my 401k going to be there? There's just all of these things that constantly uh, uh, our culture puts upon us. Can I provide? Now, those of you that brought those fears into uh, this sanctuary tonight, did you fear those things a year ago or two years ago? Were you concerned about that five years ago? Yes or no? Yeah. And the reality of it is, you landed safe for the past five years, have you not? Does God take care of you or not? I, I may have told this story, but I, I, let me say it again. My, my dad doesn't talk very much. When, he get, when I get him to talk, it's shocking. And, uh, but the, uh, I don't know where I was. The, it was sometime this year, and, and we're riding somewhere in a truck. Because we ride in trucks. And uh, <laughs> it's what we do. And uh, we're talking about life. I didn't, I didn't even know how it got. And he said, you know, he said, I'm just finally over the, the, uh, the stage of my life where I was, there, I was always in a fight. I was always in a battle, you know. And uh, that, that, you know, fighting to take care of you guys and provide for the home and all of that. And I was absolutely stunned. I was shocked because that's the way I'm feeling, you know, that I'm fighting. And, you know, how many of you that are providers, you know what it is? You know, you feel like you're in a battle. You got the next job, the net, whatever it is, you're trying to make sure the, the rent's paid or, or the house payment's there or the family's taken care of, and it's just con a constant battle. But what shocked me about my dad is he never, ever, even displayed once that there was a battle going on. Even though it was there, he was just, it was just this, I just, I'm like, what? You felt that too? You know, I just thought, you know, here he is, he's 82 years old, still working six days a week. He's like the Iron Man. When he shows any weakness, it's like, huh? The world's spinning wrong. But, but I, looked, I looked at him in, in shock, and, and the example of his life to me is that even when fear tries to press itself upon you, you do not have to be bound by it. In fact, it is the will of God for you not to be a slave to fear. I can't tell you that fear will not constantly try to creep into your life. Whether it's fear of providing, how many of you have had or have fear about your health? Come on, man, this world, it just ticks me off. How much the pressure of our culture and society is health care, health care, health care. You're, 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 you're not doing right if you don't have health care. Well, I'm going to tell you something. There is a promise from God, I believe, to care for me. And the fear that they put upon us so that the, the manipulation and control, and I'm not talking against the, the medical field. I'm just telling you the fear. That this age, oh, and then every time you got an ache or pain, it's automatically, oh, no. I'm stage four, whatever. It, 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 you automatically go to the worst case scenario. And I'm going to tell you, you don't have to live in that fear. 
If there is something going on in your body, I'm going to tell you, if he is the pilot of your vessel, he knows. And I'm going to tell you, he knows how to bring you into a safe landing, maybe not a soft landing. He didn't promise a soft landing. There may be some turbulence from here to there. And, and, and you know, I can't tell you for each and every one of us. You know, our dream is to die in our sleep, right? Not everybody's going to get that dream. But I'm going to tell you what, the way God takes each and every one of us, He, when He is Lord of your life, you do not have to fear like others fear. I was telling somebody the other day, fear causes us to reject so many things. When you can just embrace your life and embrace the circumstances that you live in and literally just breathe it in. This is life. What God's preparing for us is, 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 is so much better than what we're living right now. And the reality of it is, and let me, let me read this. It says, and, and I didn't give it to the powers that be in the back, but 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 18. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. How many have ever been tormented by fear? Fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. You know, the torment that, that, that fear brings into our life is, is a result of feeling like you have to be in control and you don't know how to drive. And the reality is when you give your life to Jesus, Come on, He directs us. He doesn't manipulate us, but He directs us. As much as we are willing to listen to Him and, and realize that in Him there is perfect love. And because perfect love exists, fear and perfect love cannot exist in the same space. It just can't. If I'm loved, if, I am, if He is truly the everlasting Father... How many of you fathers out there would do anything for your children, even when they're screw-ups? Not that mine are. <laughs> but how many, how many of us, and I'm going to tell you what, we are a, a, at best, a, you know, try to represent the loving father that he is, and sometimes we fail miserably at it but how perfect is his love to those that are called by his name and if he is my everlasting father in the prayer that we pray our father which art in heaven that's not something to poly it over and over but it's the reality of relationship with him he's my father man what comfort it brings to me in times of trouble that I can go to him and say, my Father, what's your heart in heaven? Lord, you're in a heavenly place. You see this different than I do. Your vantage point is different. And because you're my Father, I know you've got me. And you've got this. It may not go the way I want it to go, but it's going to go to my good. 
everything, everything works together. Everything. So, Lord, in the process, I may better have faith than fear. Faith is not tangible in this world. It does have substance because it brings peace. But the attributes of God, He's our Heavenly Father. I believe He is the great physician. I believe He is the wise counselor. I believe there's not a need that I have in my life that He cannot meet it altogether. And therefore, and I'm not telling you that I don't fear because, well, we're in this flesh. Man, there's all kinds of things that come against us, but I do not have to live in it. I don't have to dwell on it. I don't have to go to bed at night and, and be awake in fear. Not because I'm holier than you, but because I believe God. I believe Him. The only reason that you that are here today should fear is if you have not given your life to Him. Give your life to him. And I'm going to tell you the greatest thing that he does is that he will give you peace that passes understanding. <laughs> There's no fear in love. Let me let me try to bring some pieces and parts together. There is a fear. You know, one one of the uh desires of a young man. Somebody I know is that he just wanted made his life to be uh, make a difference. The greatest fear for some is that we would go through life and not really have done anything. I want to leave a mark. I, I want to have been somebody. I want it when when uh, when I'm gone. You know that people remember me. Well. I hate to tell you this, but when you're gone, you got about a generation, and then you're gone. The reality of it is, we will leave here and go off if this world continues to go in, in, in one generation or the next until the Lord comes. If that's a while, they will forget who I was. Oh, no, Pastor, we're never going to forget you. Well, you might not forget me, but you're going to go too. Right? And then you can tell, you know, you can tell some, so your, your uh, kids, boy, there was this great guy one time. Well, I'm going to tell you what, there's been a lot of great people over the generations, and you don't know any one of them. History books are filled with great figures and, and people that gave and, and all of these things. But the reality of it is, uh, even the greatest among us, eventually, they're unknown to us. They're, they're a, you know, they're a blip in Wikipedia. They're, you know, they're, they're a, a paragraph of a life. And, and there is a, 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 some of you out here today that your life did not go. Listen, I'm gonna, this is his word. Your life, I must have said something. <laughs> Strike the tape. <laughs> oh, God, help us. Uh, 
the, the, your life did not go the way you planned it. How many of you, you know, you had a different plan for life? And all of a sudden you get to where you're at. It's like, man, uh, this, ain't, this isn't what I, this isn't what I had designs on. This isn't what I, you know, uh, desired. I was going to be somebody. And I, and I feel like right now I'm virtually an unknown. And there's a certain fear of being uh, and feeling as if you're cast aside or if there's really uh, limited purpose to your life. But the reality of it is, even though in this world uh, you could in, in, in reality be unknown, yet I'm going to tell you there is a kingdom where you're well known. If you looked at the life of Jesus, the greatest of the greats, one who has affected our world from the beginning until the end of time. Literally, God manifest in the flesh. He came from an unknown origin, from a uh, no good place. From Nazareth, where one of the, uh, Nathan said, can anything good come from there? It was always, uh, uh, you know, obscurity. And, and when God, the glory of God began to shine in his life, even in all of that, when it came down to the end of his life, he died alone. And they're hoping to stamp out any memory of him. But I'm going to tell you what, even though the world, you know, was trying to make it and, and, and strike the record of his existence, because of his heavenly identity, he was well known. And I'm here to tell you today that there are those of you, you don't think that uh, you have any value whatsoever, but in the kingdom of God, I'm here to tell you, you are well known. Well, I haven't done anything great. You don't know what true greatness is. It's not by the scale of this world. It, you, you have no idea uh, um, in, in your life what God's divine purpose has called you to and what it is and what He might have for you in, a, in, in, uh, in a, your example. I'm going to tell you, you never hear of Ananias again in the Scripture, but it just may be that one divine intersection with the Apostle Paul that was his divine purpose in this world. Putting together the Master's plan and just what my desire now is, God, I don't want to necessarily make a difference to this world. I just want to fulfill my divine purpose. If that's obscurity, then it's obscurity. But God, I don't want to miss why you have apprehended me. I want you, what you've called me to be. I want to fulfill it. I don't want to look, have to look back even right now in my life and say, look at all the past 25 years. It's not about the past 25 years to me because that's past. Whether it's good or bad or indifferent, what is ahead of me is God's divine purpose for my life. And to walk in that alone. And know that I am known by Him is enough. It has to be enough. If you want to make a mark in this world, you're probably too late. American Idol is off the air. 
You know, whatever it is that you thought you'd be great at. Well, and good, go be great at it. But I'm going to tell you, at the end of the day, you'll be forgotten by this world. But you give your life to Jesus Christ and you come in covenant with Him. And you may be unknown here, but in that kingdom, there was a, a beggar in a street that died. Didn't have anything. And the, the Bible says the angels of God came and took him up. And the rich man, by all accounts, to somebody of society, he died. And it didn't work out well for him. Not because he was rich. But the idea of what we value in this world isn't what that kingdom values. It's not what his kingdom values. And so you can be a virtual unknown here, but be well known there. You are known because the day you repented, the angels in heaven rejoiced. Your name was written in a book that's eternal. The Lamb's book of life, when, when you uh, uh, experienced the new birth for yourself, your name was written there. You became a somebody there that will never be forgotten. So quit thinking that your identity is so wrapped up with what you are here. Quit living in, in the fear of not accomplishing. I'm going to close with this. And it's... Uh, Genesis chapter number 15 and verse number 1. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid. Abram, I'm your shield and your exceeding great reward. How many know Abram became Abraham? Abraham was one of the incredible patriarchs of the Scripture. If you could understand it, the promises of Abraham, the covenant of Abraham, is what we're living today. That's what we get to live. And, and I don't have enough time to, to go into it all, but I'm, uh, let me tell you, uh, if you read the uh, chapters before chapter 15, when the Lord tells Abram uh, in, in chapter 15, don't be afraid. Well, you look at chapter 14 and 13 and 12, Abraham was wealthy. Abraham had so, many, so much stuff that he had to separate with his family, his nephew, so that they could feed everybody. Abraham was able to uh, uh, command a, a, a troop and go, go to battle and whoop the tar out of some king and recover all that was lost. I mean, the guy had power. The guy had substance. The guy had all of this stuff. But you know what? When the Lord speaks to him and said, Abram, don't be afraid. Abram was afraid. You, you get this idea that these biblical figures larger than life, that they had never had any problems, that they had no issues. And I'm going to tell you, that man right there was filled with issues, filled with fear. He, 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 he constantly messing up. But when God calls your name, I'm going to tell you what, when we're not faithful, he's faithful. And he says, uh, 
He said, don't, don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless? Abram was old, didn't have children. You know, I'm going to tell you this is the way it goes. You could have all kinds of stuff in your life, all kinds of great things. It's the one thing you lack that you're going to focus on. True, not true. You're going to make that the big issue. Hey, I'm, I'm childless. Well, I'm going to just, for the sake of time, God says, look, I, I, I'm going to take care of that. All right? You're going to have a kid. Don't worry about it. And the scripture says that Abram believed God. Abram believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. When God gives you a promise, I'm going to tell you what, for you to live in peace, you've got to believe that promise before it's fulfilled. If you're going to live by faith, some of you say, God, I want you to show me, and then I'll give, then I'll do, then, you know, show me, and then I'll, then, I'll, then I'll be all in. And I'm going to tell you what, that's never the way it happens. His word is enough. You can believe him. And that's why the covenant went to Abram, because he believed God. You want to be a part of that covenant? You want to live without fear? I'm going to tell you the only way for you to live without fear is believing the guy piloting the whole thing is capable. And I say the guy, the Lord God Almighty, our Heavenly Father is absolutely, if he's got to land sideways, he's done it before. There is no fear in love, knowing that he loves us. And Abram said, okay, God, if you say so, that's what I believe. And so, you think, well, that ought to be enough. Well, here's what happens. Our faith wavers from time to time. Does it not? Let, let me share with you briefly the, the promise in the covenant that God made with Abram. Here's what he says. He's, he, he says, uh, after he gives all the promises, and there's this wondering always, well, is he, is he going to come through? Is there, and so God makes a covenant with Abraham. He says, God says to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. He brought them all these to him and cut them in two down the middle. He placed each piece on the opposite of the other, and he did not cut the birds in two. And when the vultures came, down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. The covenant that we have with God, the covenant that God makes with man is always sealed in blood. Always. And so Abram is told by God, he said, I want you to bring me a, a, a heifer. I want you me to bring a goat. And, and we're going we're gonna to make a covenant here. He, I, he'll cut him in half. So he cuts him in half. And, and um, uh, the theologians believe the, the spot that that, sacrifice took place was a valley and so he put one half of one on on uh, on one side of the valley and half of the on the other side of the valley one representing God's half and the other representing Abram's half of the covenant and so he, God said blame out there and uh they were out there long enough that the vultures came around 
I'm going to tell you what, when God makes a promise to you, it may take some time for it to come to pass. When God's making a covenant with you, it may, it may not, you know, it's not instant gratification like this world promises. There is a period of time, and if you're not careful, the vultures will come and steal you got to be aware of it. you gotta, you got to stay on top of it. And it's so uh, Abram gets down there. Here comes the vultures, and he's running. Ah, get away, get away. You know, I'm thinking he's getting, he's getting tired. Come on, God, you told me to do this. Where are you? Anybody ever say that to him? Come on, God, you know where I'm at. Where are you? I'm going to tell you, he shows up at the right time every time. And it came to pass. This is, this is the thing. He gets all weary. He falls asleep. Uh, all kinds of dark dreams and things go on. And, and, and read, read the chapter 15 yourself. And it's like, you know, we think, man, being a patriarch for God is just great. You know, wow. It's like, whew. Heartache, hurt, struggle, trial, overcoming things by faith. But the reality of it is, it, it, that night, the Bible says in, uh, in Genesis 15 and verse number 17, it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark, they behold there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch and passed between those pieces. What happens is, is God secured both sides of the covenant. He didn't just, you take care of your half and I'll take care of my half. So many of you think that God's looking at you saying, you take care of your half, I'll take care of my half. And I'm going to tell you what, God's already taken care of everything. He went through the midst, in the middle of the divided sacrifice, and he consumed both sides. There is a reason that Jesus was suspended between heaven and earth. I want you to stand with me. The fulfillment of the covenant that God made with Abraham was the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus made on a cross. And when he was finally nailed to that cross and they lifted that up and he was suspended from heaven or suspended from the earth, I'm going to tell you what it was that he was doing. He was securing both sides of the covenant for you and I. He absolutely paid the price and the, the justice that God demanded for sin. As he was suspended in heaven, God's divine justice was poured out upon him. And he secured that side. And also the connection that he had with earth. The righteousness that God demands in our lives is because of the cross of Jesus Christ. It's gifted to us. You that are here today in fear because you haven't lived a good enough life, I'm going to tell you, you don't understand the power of the cross. 
It's enough. It absolutely sets us free. Not to sin. It sets us free from sin. There is no fear in my life of being unknown. Even though in a generation my name will be forgotten, I'm going to tell you what, my name is written in the Lamb's book of life and that's eternal. Let me try it again. God's got this. I'm, I'm red. I'll take this one. Test. Oh, you got me now. Let, let me just close with this been blue skies in your life you know everything's going good look out the window see those clouds got to go through those and there's turbulence there but that pilot did not say to us that day I don't know if we can make it folks I'm going to give him my best shot here he was absolutely convinced going to get rough, folks, but I get you on the ground. I'm going to tell you, I don't care what life brings, sickness, bad diagnosis, losing a job, losing a loved one. God does not want you to live in fear. Your life is not over. If it didn't turn out the way you thought it ought to, I'm going to tell you what, you give your life to Jesus. You go from being unknown in this world to being known by a heavenly host. You go from being a nobody to being a somebody. So, Father, I speak today your grace and your goodness. And those that brought fear into this house, I'm asking today as they come to this altar that they, they, they would lay it there as a sacrifice and realize that you are our heavenly Father and that we are no longer bound by fear, no longer a slave to it. We don't have to let it rob us of peace and joy. God, you have already secured both sides of the covenant like you did for Abram, you've done for me. Because of that, I am safe and secure regardless of what goes on around me. I worship you, Jesus. Come on, if you want to be freed from fear, just make it, as we sing today, just step out here and let God take that. Perfect love casts out fear, and He loves you perfectly. I'm going to open these altars this morning. I ask you to take some time before you leave. In Jesus' name.